Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. God values it so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for all of our sin. And he came in a body. He came in a flesh and blood body that was massacred and crucified and he did that to redeem your and my body see god's so brilliant and so awesome and so smooth he's gonna when when the final judgment comes when jesus returns there's gonna be a raising of all the bodies and he's gonna well it's, it's gonna be like cinderella and the fairy godmother she's gonna woo and your your body's gonna be like awesome now incorruptible it's your same body the bible teaches your body's important to god he's gonna keep on using it it's not just like oh these are old clothes let's throw them out this is a part of the, the, the heart of the Christian story. I want you to notice, because we're about to read the rest of the scripture, and I want you to notice three times, Paul says, don't you know? Don't you know? And he's not saying like, hey, don't you know that there's a cool Spider-Man movie coming out soon? He's saying, don't you know fire burns you? Why do I have to tell you this? You're playing dumb, saying that you don't know this. Verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are parts of Christ? Shall I then take away the parts of Christ and make them parts of a prostitute? Far from it. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he, God, says the two shall become one. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one in spirit with him. Shouldn't be competition here. Flee sexual morality. Every other sin that a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person, immoral person sins against his own body. That means probably a lot of things, but as I've sought the Lord over the years, I'm like, what, what is he saying there? And one of the things I really believe, at least for me personally, that the Lord revealed is every time we give in to lust, we're planting a seed. The world and the enemy says, no, just, just give yourself to it. Then it'll be, you'll, you'll fulfill that desire and it'll be done. You can just, it's kind of like, you know, release valve, turn it off, and then you're like, nah, now you're good. Fulfill it. The problem is that's not really how it works. Every time we fulfill it, we plant a new seed. Now we have two seeds that start to grow. And then we have four. And then we have eight. And that hunger for that which is illicit, that hunger for more dopamine, continues to increase as we go. Verse 19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You've been bought with a price, a very expensive blood of Jesus. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Paul is getting at here. Hey, man, you know, there's a real, even though nobody wants to think about this, there's a real soul mingling that happens when two married humans come together to make love. But it also happens even if they're not married. There's a, there's a mingling of souls that isn't supposed to be able to be pulled apart. Okay? That doesn't mean it's not okay to make mistakes. It doesn't mean God doesn't start where you are. It doesn't mean there's not forgiveness. He's just saying, hey, this is the reality, though. This is what's happening. There's a mingling of souls, and it's like rending something to pull this apart. You ever, you ever have like a, an old piece of duct tape that you, it's been on some metal or something, you rip the duct tape off, but part of the duct tape is still on the metal? Yeah, that's what it's like when you're trying to rip apart two people that are one flesh. It's like, that didn't come apart quite right. And God says, you're mingling these people. Every time you go to see that temple prostitute, you're mingling with that person. And yet, you're also, because you're in Christ, you're kind of pulling Jesus with you. 
And it's, it sounds weird, but Paul's saying from a certain sense, dude, you're, you're causing Christ to be unwillingly forced into the act that you're doing, quenching the Holy Spirit saying, well, Christ, you and I are one, and you probably just close your eyes for a second because I'm going to go over here and do this. And Paul's saying, he's not saying shame on you as much as he's saying that hurts the heart of your Savior. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do that. That's not something he would do. Not to mention, you are the temple. That's, that's the new covenant reality. You and I are the temple. If, if you're in Christ, you're the temple. And just like it was in the Old Testament, to bring a foreign God into the temple, dude, it's, it's shaking our fist right in the face of God and saying, none of your redemption means a doggone thing to me. But idols really still don't belong in the temple. And this is why we should need to like think this through. Sexual sin, things that God says are forbidden, things that God says are, don't do it because I know better than you. Those kinds of things. For the Christian, that's uniting with a false God. That's mingling, soul mingling with a false God that you're bringing into the new temple and setting up just like Dagon, saying, how about this? How about this instead of the Lord God Jehovah? How about we just have this? And it, it doesn't matter if we don't think about it like that or the culture doesn't think about it like that. Because God does. And God is glorified in bodily holiness. So Christians should wage war against a sinfully sexualized heart because their bodies are for the Lord. But here's number two, because lust makes them a prisoner and a servant of the demonic. I'm not one of those guys like, I'm not looking for a demon behind every, you know, every toaster. Like, I think that th- you can get a little strange and you can blame the devil for a whole bunch of stuff that is also called stupidity. Like, that's real. And at the same time, we have to be super, like, the Bible's not quiet about this either. Like, devils are genuinely trying to influence us. And I know you don't like to think about it, especially when you're on the front end or you're, you're early into the steps of the water of lust-filled items and people and situations but that is a lure you're just a fish you're being lured into the dark you are in the devil's foyer and he's trying to show you all the delights but there's a prison in the room next door and that's where it's supposed to go and you can tell that it's it's he's seeing your body as yes it was god's temple but i want to make it my temple i want to set up my images in that temple I want me and my demons to get the glory in this temple. And how do you know it's a temple? Because you put in it and give to it and sacrifice to it the very things you would put in any temple. Money and time. And you sacrifice relationships. You sacrifice spouses. And according to International Justice Mission, which we watched a few weeks ago, the worldwide sacrifices kids in that temple. Make no mistake, my friends, sexual immorality. He'd prefer that you didn't know and that it stays hidden. But it is a giant temple to Satan filled with all of the spoils of his prisoners that he wants to trap. Listen to Ezekiel 27. You might have the text up there. Um, I think we got it, but God is talking to the Israelites, but he's also talking to us. And he's talking about Egypt, but Often in the Old Testament, we can understand Egypt as our past or the world or the things we maybe used to partake in, but don't anymore. And I said to them, cast away the detestable things your eyes feast on, every one of you, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt, for I am the Lord your God. 
in every generation, dude, it's, it's the same plan. Don't you know the devil doesn't have any new plans? He still wants to set up his own images in the temple of God. He did it back then. He wants to do it now. That's his aim, and we have to recognize it. And, and why would he want to do that? Well, a few reasons. One, as we said, he wants, he, wants, he wants us really, even if it's unintentional, worshiping him. He wants us trapped in a cage. He wants us losing eternal reward. He wants us giving away all of our freedoms because it looks like freedom, but it's really a shackle. He wants us essentially to be stuck in this loop of shame. And many of you, y'all, many of you know what I'm talking about, okay? You, you, you're like, I'm done. Never again. That's it. That's all for me. And I'm going to try really hard. Jesus, this is the day. I'm going to try really hard. And then you, but then you fail again. But now when you fail, you're even more discouraged than you were before. And now to medicate, something like porn looks really appealing for a minute. Even though you hate it, you also, part of you says, yeah, but that'll make you feel better. So it's this big loop of shame and despair. And if I was really a Christian, like would God even, like this wouldn't even be a problem probably. No, that's not true at all. As a Christian, you still live on this planet and you still have the spirit of God fighting the flesh within your body. That's gonna be true your whole life until you go to heaven. But it does change us into something else. See, God wants us to avoid the snare of the enemy to become more like him. What is is porn and lust? What does it do? It causes us to look at another human being made in God's image and say, I'll have that and I'll use that for what I want to use it for. I'll I'll drink it up and it'll make me feel powerful or whatever it is. And then I don't have to take the time to get to know a person. I don't have the time to deal with any emotions. I don't have the time to to deal with any of their other personality quirks. I just take and I take. And honestly, I'm like a great big sarlacc pit. I just exist to feed. And I know it sounds really harsh, but it's, it's so, the enemy's trying so hard to keep us from these stark realities. Like, dude, this is what this is. And I think one of the things he wants more than anything I think the devil wants to rob the anointing on your life if you're a Christian. He wants to depower you. He wants to make sure, hey, well, God's never going to be able to use them because I'm going to get them so deep. They'll be so discouraged. They'll be so guilty. They'll never stand up in faith. They'll never run out in courage. They'll never take any steps, bold steps, that Jesus would want them to have because they're so ashamed. They'll just hide here in this cage that I made them. He's trying to rob that. So what do we do? Well, Paul tells us, verse 18, flee, flee sexual immorality. Now, fleeing, we're almost there. Fleeing means get away. It just means run away. But sometimes when we flee, we don't just run away to. We run away from, we run away to. And what we run away to is to Jesus to take care of our shame and failures. I just want to give you like my tips, okay? Can I just tell you? I, I, I stumble in many ways, but I also work very hard with my wife and with the elders to like, man, this is a, this is a focus of, of our entire lives. I'm just telling you. Like there's things we do to, to work certain things around. Running to Jesus to take care of your shame is the most important thing. If you slip today, the thing you do is you stand up, walk two steps, and kneel down and say, Jesus, I repent. Jesus, give me your forgiveness. Because, I don't know if you know this, the book of Isaiah says he took your shame on the cross. It's not even just your guilt. He took your shame. You don't have to feel bad about it because that was already put on the cross. Now, he's he's not going to say, well, I like this now. But he's going to say, I love you. 
and I still have purposes for you, and I've still got you, and my blood was enough for you, and if you're always discouraged, you're never going to stand up and walk in the faith you need to walk, to, walk in to win today. Can I, can I release some people? Don't try to be perfect with this. That's like saying, well, from now on, I'm never going to be selfish again. Really? We'll see. <laughs> That's a dumb plan. How about this? Maybe you can do well not being very selfish today. How you have today. Today's a great day to worship the Lord with. Instead of being so discouraged because maybe you went like f- five months, half a year before you even like fell into a, a lustful trap again. Maybe you went a while, but now you're going to beat yourself up because you didn't beat it because you slipped one more time. Hey man, look, there, there's grace for that. Just breathe in the grace. Say, today, Jesus is enough for me. Today, Jesus takes my shame. And here's, here's part of it that, that I feel like God has taught me over time. The faith has to be in him, not us. It can't be, I'm going to try harder. It can't be, I'm going to have a million strategies that just like get me out of it. It's got to be, Lord, I can never pole vault over this thing. I am too dark. I'm too evil. It, it, just like the rest of my world, I can't save myself, nor can I sanctify myself. But God could. And when you just let that, that, little, that little seed of faith boop, in your brain begin to live, but God could. I actually can't do this. I actually can't get out of this. I can't guard myself against it. I can't get away from it. But I know that God could. God is so powerful. God is so good that if I'm ever going to get any level of victory over this, it's not going to be because I pulled myself up with my own brute straps. It's going to be because God in his mercy started to give me pure thinking. He started to help me just be wise in terms of the things that I avoided. He started to help me be real honest and in the light because when I keep things in the dark, like demons like cockroaches flock to that thing and try to make that thing worse before I can confess it. So the smartest thing we can do, no matter what you did wrong, first run to Jesus. Run to Jesus and you will be forgiven. And from there, now you've got your friend helping you with the power to do whatever we got to do to get in victory. Can somebody say amen? I got to tell you, man, if I was hearing this message, I'd, be, I'd probably be too scared to say a lot of amens out loud because then everyone would know it was me. <laughs> but I'd be jumping up and down on the inside. I'd be like, this is good news. It is not God's will that we walk in bondage, but there's no way for us to pull vote over this until we go to Jesus. We've also got to, here's the second part. There's three parts to it. Second part, reject the world's sexual ethic. He says flee. That does also mean run away. Literally just like, maybe even literally, just run away. Wherever that temptation is, boom, you're running away. And, and often this thing, dude, this thing is a satanic fishing hook if we're not thinking about it the right way. Okay, so um, this is a thing that there's a lot of safeguards around for my life. Okay, I've told some of this before, but I just want just as a model for you to see how this works. Number one, I don't know the restrictions password of this. My wife knows. Actually, Pastor Brandon knows, and one of my daughters knows. That means if I absolutely have to get online with this thing, I'm usually around one of them, and they can help me get online. And then, but somebody knows, and that just means there's, there's no secrets here. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm also, I, I just got to tell you, I'm, I'm rarely alone. I'm rarely ever alone. Why? Not because I like to be, honestly, I'm super introverted. Like, I love all y'all, but everybody else, you know, I want to stay away from them. I'm super introverted. And yet, being around people, it does two things. One, it helps just stay out in, in the light. 
But also it ministers to a secret part of every person's heart, which is actually I crave intimacy. And when I'm tempted to go look at porn or something lustful, what that really is, it's a perversion of the right human desire for intimacy. And so when, when we just say, well, I'm going to turn that thing right, then I'm just going to get around people. And you know, it's just be you know, friends and, and you know, people in my life, but it's just being, it's human contact that begins to ease some of that tension that is on the inside. There's also times like... Kenzie will maybe be working and the kids are going to be out for the night. Maybe they're going to be at youth group. And we'll, Kenzie and I will just sing like, oh, what's, what's going on tonight? Okay. Oh, I'm going to be alone tonight. Now, part of me, part of my like pride would be like, dude, come on. What? You're a pastor. You can be alone. But I'm also just not that dumb anymore. So what we do is I'm going to the movies. I'm not just going to like sit in and have the devil come in and give me a sales pitch. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, devil, I've had enough sales pitches those don't always work well for me. So instead, I've just got to stay busy. Now, that's just me. Maybe that's like you've got your own thing. You're, you're a totally different thing than I am. You've got to figure out what your things are. But dude, there's a lot of wisdom. If you're not in the wrong place, you're not likely to do the wrong thing. So let's just get out of the wrong places. Just run. A lot of this, I've got to tell you, it's more outsmarting the enemy than it is resisting. Let me say that again. A lot of this is more outsmarting the enemy than it is just, system. now just be smart. It might for some even just be, I mean, this is rare, but it might even be, dude, I, gotta, I can't work where I work because of what happens at where you work. I've only seen a few of those instances, but it's like there's nothing else. You can, the, the, the temptation is so dramatic right there. You either got to get out of that department. You got to do something because there's a person there that is going to wreck your marriage. And you got to get them transferred and try to get them fired, I guess. That might work. But, um. And then finally, we resist with help. That means we flee to others. Okay, so, you know, the devil, he, he, ro- he roams around like a, like a lion looking for someone to devour. He's, he's always chasing us. We're fleeing from the devil. But occasionally, it's, it's smart to grab some buddies, some sisters. Hey, let's just build a fence, Okay. Instead of always running from this guy, let's just build some wise things into my life so it's harder to take us out. And one of those things is just honest relationships. It's, it's, it's relationships where you can do two things. You can confess, and they're not going to just like, oh, well. They're, but they're going to compassionately say, grace to you. I love you. I'm with you. Thank you for telling me that it's in the light. Let's pray together. What else can I do? Can you, can you call me next time you're tempted? Can you text me or whatever we need to do? I'm there for you, man. I got you. And having a community of people that you can tell to it takes some, some boldness to initiate that kind of thing. But I want to be the kind of church that does that. I want it to be super cool in this auditorium. For those of you watching online, I want it to be super cool for everybody to be able to just say, I'm wrestling. I'm not doing everything right. I still need Jesus. Somebody say, I still need Jesus. I still need Jesus, turns out. And I'm not trying to be cavalier about anything, but I'm telling you my sin, and I'm asking you to tell me not to give up. I'm asking you to bear with me. Because here's, here's the reality. Jesus hates when marriages are destroyed. He hates when kids are eight years old and they find a porn magazine in the field. He hates that children under 10 are consuming such a large percentage of porn on the internet. He hates all these things. He hates everything that we watched in the International Justice Mission Day but he loves people and he loves people that look at porn and he loves people that mess up and he loves people 
that feels so dirty and so dark and so like I could never be clean again. Oh, yes, you can. Because Jesus loves that very person. That's the very person that Jesus came to get. And that's who we actually all are. We just have different versions of it. I don't know if you ever noticed this. On the road to Emmaus, um, Jesus rebuked his disciples for their unbelief. That was the only time that he rebuked his disciples after his resurrection for something they did wrong. He didn't rebuke them for anything else. He said, I'm, 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 I'm not liking your unbelief here. I'm not liking that you just didn't believe God's word about me. And I really believe he would say that to some of us today. He'd say, I'm, I'm not condemning you for anything at all, but I am. If I'm going to be disappointed, I'm disappointed that you're not believing that I'm really that great of a savior. I'm disappointed that you're not believing that I really am that good of a God and that great. Here's why. Hebrews 4.14, this is how Jesus is described. So then since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us firmly, let's hold firmly to what we believe. And what is it we believe about Jesus? This high priest of ours understands our weakness. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Do you know that Jesus is the compassionate God? Do you know that he's the one? He's, he's the very God. Check this out. Put yourself in this story. At the Last Supper, when Jesus washed all the disciples' feet, he knew they were about to betray him. He knew. He already knew what was about to happen. He knew every one of those dudes was going to go running into the night. And yet, he loved them completely. You say, Carter, I'm going to slip again. I'm going to do something, you know. Who knows if I'm going to have any victory? Hey, Jesus already knows. And he loves you now. And he serves you now. And he cleans your dirty feet now. And that's who he will always be. So you're not going to run out of grace. All you have to do, okay, you sin, get up, walk two steps, and kneel down. Jesus, I need you again. And he'll say, I'm here. I'm here right now. I'm ready. We'll walk into accountability together. We'll walk out into the light together. We'll tell whoever we need to tell about this together. And even if it's a really hard conversation, even if you're going to need counseling after that, even if you're scared to death to tell this person, Jesus says, I will go with you. And I will put my arm around you. And I'll say, they are still mine, and I still love them, and I ain't leaving. That's the God you serve. Let's go to him right now. And I want to just give you permission. You don't have to do anything out loud. You don't have to say anything. But if there's something that like you've been, it's been gnawing at you, man, you know this is a thing that God's not down with. No matter how dirty it is, let's bring it to him right now. We need to hear him say, I love you. Let's do it. Let's bow our heads. God, it's easy to not push back against the culture. It's easy just to accept, hey, this is the way things are, just flow with it down the river. And yet you've called us to bodily holiness. And Jesus, at the same time, there is more grace in Christ than there is sin in all the world. We believe that promise today. We give you everything we've done wrong, everything we've felt bad about, everything maybe we should have felt bad about. We're bringing it to you now. And we say, Jesus, isn't it pretty? And we're, we're ashamed of it, but we believe that now is when you lift us up and you put your robe of righteousness around our shoulders. 
And you look us in the eye with a smile. You say, I love you. And I will complete the good work I began in you. Jesus says, I don't give up. I got you. I'm going to walk you right in with my arm around you through the gates of heaven as your intercessor. Hey, God, would you give us the strength now to, to whatever step might be relevant for us, have a conversation, be quicker to run to you, even the second after we sin. Whatever that is, Father, we pray for the power and the confidence in you to be able to do it boldly. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible-preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being His witness in our generation, check out Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development-related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.